Hello and welcome to part two of our conversation with Debbie Glewory, an award-winning Scottish author and illustrator of books for children and not just for children. And what a conversation it is. We do share books and illustrations and generally if you'd like to watch this conversation, which I think would be great with this one in particular, it is on our YouTube channel and all the links are on our Facebook page. So please uh, follow and like and the YouTube channel is The Caring Instinct and I hope you enjoy it as much as we have. I've got a question about no matter what. It works so well for toddlers and for like slightly older children. It it gave my son and uh, myself the language yeah. And especially that that picture was small with a bucket on his uh, head when he's feeling grim and dark. This is, this yeah. is we've, we've just been saying, Tommy, are you feeling grim and dark? Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh, we all feel and, that, though, don't we? Oh, we yeah. all feel that. We all feel that. And as as Joe said, this is more powerful probably then saying oh I'm feeling angry I'm feeling mm. frustrated <laughs> I'm feeling grim and dark and I was thinking about this age when especially teenagers or young adults uh, when we kind of start to stretch out the cookie cutter with which we grew up when um, when we are loved as a certain person and suddenly we go do you know what? I'll be the completely opposite to yeah. see whether you're still there, no matter yeah. what. So, oh, my parents are vegan. I'll go eat steak for breakfast, lunch, and <laughs> dinner. Like, you know, my <laughs> yes, my parents are Democrat. I'll be a Republican. I'll be whatever it is, whatever yeah. is at the core, like whatever is the highest value, religion, politics. They. The young people might be tempted, might be driven. It's not even a decision. It's it's this really strong drive to try the opposite and see if you're still there. Yes. It's will you still love me? I mean, do you really love me or do you love my packaging? Sort of. Yeah. And that's such a great level to see it at, I think, because the, uh, generally... I think people will see it as okay. Uh, this is a this is time for teaching or education. You know, we can show you that you know You're veganism wrong. is the way forward, or you should be eating steak, or we can and you can get really lost down that. This is the way to be. This is not, and yeah. you can go there for a long time. Whereas if you see that as looking for that invitation for the no matter what, or looking for that to be there, your response yeah. might be so different as a parent. Yes. It's yeah, I I love you really, you know. I mean that that is what love is though, isn't it? Mm. It's you know I love you no matter what you become or no matter who you become or no matter what you think or believe or do. Um it's a it's su- such a huge thing to promise a child and it's easy when a child is a, a little helpless adorable yes person um it's less easy when they become a teenager and it can become 
almost impossible when they're an, an adult and they're voicing opinions and beliefs that you just think these are so different to mine but you know there's there's sort of ways of of finding your way through that as well um but it's just honestly the 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 whole sort of journey of being a parent is it's not just the child growing up it's the parent growing up as well they teach us every bit as much as as we teach them it is a at best when when it's all working really well is totally a two-way process we learn side by side so yeah. Take and I, I think children have access to those feelings from the uh, right from the beginning that's all they've got it's just there and uh, what can happen is they lose they become disconnected it disconnected from it as they grow up but mm. as adults we're probably more likely to be disconnected so what I know to being a parent is a way of really coming back to those and really seeing them, wow, you know, and you really see them, like, if you think of the toddler years, start with the tantra, you just see them come and move and in their mm. purity and it's, it, when it's okay for you and it's not hard, you know, you, it's really a beautiful thing in, in a way. It sounds weird to say, but you can oh, no, just really is. see it. It's like watching... Um sort of summer storms move right yeah. through you can see it. it's like whoa here we go yep it's coming it's coming and it breaks over you and then it goes away and everything is all rain washed and the sun comes back out and it, it can happen in the space of 30 seconds yeah it's like, wow no wonder you need an afternoon nap <laughs> and that's it those words you use the moving through is so because a lot of children don't get that move through they, it almost gets arrested it's stuck potentially or you know mm. we need to teach you now or we might uh treat it with separation you know time out chair or something like this and it's just too overwhelming to feel then if we can give them space to really go through and have that storm move through them mm. and you can find that nap afterwards it's so healthy yes yeah but also we have to be wary of it. That's a council of perfection. There are yeah. times where we are, you know, as adults operating with our heads inside that metal pail because it's all just too much for us to. Mm. So it's true. I think it's also very important to acknowledge your mistakes to, you know, with your children, which I think is probably where, again, to go back to no matter what, when small asks, oh Lord. Does love wear out? Does it break or bend? Yeah. Can you fix it, stick it, does it mend? And the answer in the UK edition was Large said, Oh, help, said Large, I'm not that clever. I just know I'll love you forever. The mm. American editors did not like that. The American <laughs> editors said, No, 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 parents shouldn't admit that they don't know what they're doing. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so different. Um, so there was there were a couple of changes in the American edition. Um, let me just grab it uh, because they did they changed that uh, response and they also changed the response where like the big question that Small asks at the end about what happens when we're dead and gone. 
the yeah. American editor said, nope, no, we can't have that. So let, let me get my American. I saw Too that much. book and I was like, where, yeah. where, what's going on? Where is it? Where's it the gone? American edition you saw. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've got the English one. Mm. Well, the um, English one, there's also a... I, I get loads of outraged emails from parents saying, really? I bought the board book and it's not right. Do you know the board book? The board book has got a different ending as well. That's right. That's the um, one I saw, yes. Yeah, it's not. it's not ideal. Oh my goodness, I'd forgotten this one. Wow, this copy, I totally, I, I don't know if you can see all the signatures that all over the title page. There's things written all over it. That copy went out to Iraq and was read by serving US servicemen to their children at night when they were serving in Iraq and they wanted to read a bedtime story to their mm. children. And they knew that they might, you know, they might not actually make it back from the theatre of war. So they um they read them no matter what at night, which I just find almost unbearably moving that these children <sighs> Oh, we being... need a Ukrainian translation. Is there a Ukrainian? I don't think so. There's Romanian, but not... U- I know. Uh, it's... Anyway... I'll see um, what I can do. I'm Ukrainian. I'll see what... Are you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, that must be. It's a we hard, that. hard time. Okay. So the Americans had, but what about when you're far away? Mm. Does your love go or does it ah. stay? And we had, what happens when we're dead and gone? Yes. Well, you love me the then. Does ultimate love go far on? away. But the, um, yeah, okay, Th- this one where in the UK edition the mum says, um, oh help, said large, I'm not that clever, I just know I'll love you forever. In the American one they say, with time together, a smile and a kiss, love can be mended with things like this. Which oh. I just, you know, it's I didn't write it. Um, oh. There are times where you just have to say to your editor, well, you know best for your territory, but um, it wouldn't be my first choice of words. So, but I do get American parents saying, getting in touch and saying, I've just read this terrible version of your book and it says, What happens when you're dead and gone? Who wrote that? And I'm like, uh, That's the proper version. <laughs> I never hear from them ever again. Each to their own. <laughs> so it's different. Um, Territories have different Definitely. needs. Yeah, we do. Ha- I was just thinking, we actually do have a Rus- There is a Russian translation. Well, um, we need to look into that. Yeah. That would be a, a wonderful practice. Mm. If fathers that are away could read it yes. in the same way as you've described. Well, over to you. <laughs> it would be lovely. I would. I would. It's just kind of like hands across the world. It's ways yes. of, of getting, again, getting a message out that actually is quite an important one, that no matter what is going on in the wider horrible world, there is this constancy of love that you and know, is book, more important. And a book can do so much where it might be too vulnerable to... Just say it. Yes. 
that was um, one of the reasons I used foxes rather than humans because mm. you can say you can say things in children's books using animals you can say really big important quite sort of you know deal with quite scary concepts and it's okay because it's animals that this is happening to so it's at enough of a, a remove so that a child yeah. doesn't think oh my goodness that's me or that could be me. I mean, they know on some level, yes, that could be Definitely. me, but there, there is that necessary distance because it's happening to an animal, so you can go, okay, that's not happening to me. Yeah, there's so. that thing again of making it a, it's a safe way of feeling, making it a safe way to feel. Yeah. yeah. Want to ask about this one? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Owl's first day. Oh. You know, so preparing for the interview, we... We've got a lot of your books and we borrowed more from the library and my seven-year-old found this book and read it and he brought it to me and said, Mommy, you've got, to, you've got to read this because this is exactly how I felt. Mm. Oh. And this was oh. so important for him He's, uh, because I was busy and he was a mom, but you have to read it. And it was for him. So his first days at the nursery and school, well, interrupted by the pandemic, but they're like, mm. what, three, four years ago <coughs> now? And it, yes. it was still, he, the book he helped him get in touch with that. Oh, wow. And why, I think, why this works so well is because it's so honest. Yes. Because it but would be tempting to go, just uh, for, for our listeners, a quick, um, so little owl uh, is going to have the first day at school and mommy says, oh, you must be excited for your big day. But little owl says, no, I don't like big days. I want a small day. I want to stay at home with you and baby owl. And the teacher is trying to sort of build build up little owl or we'll do this exciting thing and this exciting thing will build a rocket and all little owl wants to do is stay at home uh, with mommy owl and baby owl yes which is how it which is how it is but it's yes. so tempting for us adults to say oh this is going to be so much fun no 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 this is not of course you're gonna like it this is going mm -hmm. to be so exciting it's hard for us to sit there and listen and be there for what's really going on uh, for a child. We want to insert what would be easier for us to hear and what would be. Yeah. How do you do it? Where do you Think find this honesty and, and courage? And do, do you remember it? Uh, remember, remember how it. it was for you? Yeah? Oh, God, yes. Don't you? Can't you remember? Yeah, I do. I do. So very I'm, much. I just. I tap into, you know, my complete lack of understanding of what the hell this fresh hell was of going you to said school. It and you know, why did it why do children need to go to school when they're you know I mean obviously I know why they need to go to school so their parents can go to work. Pretty okay? much. And theoretically they can learn things that will be useful. Um but it's so brutal taking a wee child who's only known their their own home and the, the, the set of rules that's in their own home and then 
taking them right out of that, removing everything that is familiar and dropping them into this completely alien place where suddenly there's a whole new set of rules, whole new set of people. Everybody is strange. Nothing is familiar. And no wonder they don't want to do it. I mean, I I so clearly remember coming home after day one and saying, well, that was awful, but thankfully I don't have to do it again. And my mum said... She didn't think. And she said, yes, you do. You have to do it until you're at least 18 and you can go to university. And it's like, what? And I didn't go to, I mean, I thankfully didn't go to, well, actually, no, maybe nursery would have been good because it slowly gets you into the whole sort of school thing. I went straight into school at four and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So all I'm doing when I write is channeling that small girl who I have to say is very close to the surface really I Mm. haven't lost her and Mm -hmm. that might be just because I had spent so much time in my own company and kind of feeding off my own resources because what was going on around me when I was small was not that great um I mean it wasn't diabolical I'm I I don't want to give the impression that I had an absolutely hideous childhood, but I didn't understand so much of what was going on. And it was only in later life that I realised all that was going on all was that my parents were totally temperamentally unsuited for each other and were about to split up and should really never have had a child. And I don't think my mum really particularly wanted children at all. She had a, a a great career in um, the Inland Revenue. She was a tax inspector. And I am almost enumerate. <laughs> yeah. I can't add things up. You know, I sit there with a knitting pattern beating my head against the desk because, you know, you have to do a certain amount of maths in order to be able to do these things. So I'm like, what? I don't do numbers. So draw your own conclusions from that. But um, I think... I think a lot of sort of children's writers who seem to get very, very close to the heart of things have a very clear line of communication with their childish self, their childlike Mm -hmm. selves. Um, For instance, um, Quentin Blake, for example, Mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't have children because people assume that if if you can write these sort of books that really tap into the realities of childhood, that you must have children. Well, Quentin has no children, but he has an ability, I think, to just contact, you know, to, to bring up little Quentin up there and sort of say to him, so how did this feel for you? And then turn that into a book. He I think is, um, he's, he said know, he doesn't doesn't like talking to children Really? Like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can I, I well interview. I read that. <laughs> That's great. I do feel incredibly awkward around children, not my own children. Um, I mean, obviously, because, you know, they're so familiar to me and, you know, they, they are, you know, Your they children. are around me all the time. But when I go into schools to talk to children, I feel exactly how I used to feel when I was at school. Mm. I feel really awkward and really stupid and I feel like they're going to gang up on me. 
<laughs> just sort of say you're absolutely crap get out of our school and sometimes they sense that you know how children have this unerring ability to sort of sense blood in the water well they sometimes go oh this one's a freak let's let's just you know and it can be quite difficult because when when you go in and do a school visit you are you're not stepping into the teacher's role, but essentially you're the adult in charge in the room and you have to mm. hold their attention and, you know, sort of hope that they're going to be interested in, in what you're saying and drawing and, and showing them. And sometimes they're patently bored witless, you know, yeah. by you. And that's when there's sort of 80 plus of them and only one of you, it's absolutely terrifying. It really is. And it makes me feel four years old again. So, yeah, I think that's how it's done. I, it's, I think we can write about child, child, real authentic children's feelings from that place where we were children ourselves. And I'm really glad that I can still do that and I can still access that small person because, you know, she has been a source of inspiration for all of my life, really. The poor wee scone. <laughs> my son started uh, using wee for little because of pure dead magic. <laughs> Has he really? Oh, really? Oh, oh. <laughs> really funny, yes. <laughs> There's... There's one of the pure dead magics, or is it just the American ones? Because again, I came up against American editing and some of it was hilarious because I think there was a scene in, in which the maid was hanging out, um, the family's washing on the washing line and uh, she was putting out, now what was it? She was hanging out you know, loads and loads of black, all of the mum's witchy clothes. And then she yeah. was hanging hanging out some oh was it some white wife fronts or something i can't or i think it was white wife fronts and the american editor said what's a wife front and i sort of <laughs> go into details about why men's underwear was constructed with a y at the front on upside down it was really kind of mortifying one, one of these email interchanges that you just think oh this is ridiculous and she said, oh, my God, we cut now, what was it they call them? Tidy whities. Tidy whities. <laughs> Tidy whities. That sounds so uncomfortable. And then I, I, I was just like, one of, one of these moments, you know, two countries separated by one language. It was just absolutely, you call them that? How bizarre. So <laughs> as, as a response to that, I did a, a glossary for the back of the pure diets for the American market which, so it translated all of the Scottish terms but I was really snarky about it so it's a really you would probably quite enjoy this glossary it's ridiculous if at the end you um, email me your address I could send you the American edition that's got the glossary at the back of it because I think your son might rather enjoy it it's ridiculous oh that would be <laughs> lovely thank you you are welcome so I've got I've got a question. So with a lot of children's books, the first thing you see is the message. It's sort of almost the agenda, I would say. You mm. take the book and you're like, oh, that is uh, a book that teaches emotional literacy. And that is a book that is about how to share. And this is a book that teaches this and this is that. 
And with your books, even though I can name a theme for a lot of them, like um, we've mentioned The Trouble with Dragons is a book about climate change and Wilma the Brave is my favorite book. I love it's a her. feminist book, isn't it? <laughs> but it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be what? about family, really. And one's so, place in a family. That That's... Um, Basically, my question for many books, I can say, oh, this is a book about this, but it never sticks out the message. And the, there's never a message in front of the magic or or the expense of the magic. What a nice way of putting it. There's no message in front of the magic. Oh, God, that's brilliant. Why aren't you writing books? That is lovely. <laughs> that's exactly it. It's, I mean, it's, it's just so... It must turn children off. Oh, when they go, yes. Oh, here um, we go. I'm being told about emotional literacy or exactly. being nice to I'm my being, friends. I'm being taught. Exactly. <laughs> I'm here to sit and... But, so, but how does it... What comes first to you? Is it like, I, I'll shoot, I feel like I should write a book about the climate crisis or do the dragons come first or do the, uh, or do the verses come first? Um, it used to be I would I would get a couple of sentences or a title as as the sort of seed for a book. And that kind of lasted all the way up to I don't know, really just before no matter what. And then there was almost I'd I don't know why it shifted, but what the the seed for each book would be a picture. It would just be mm -hmm. one one image would come. So, for instance, uh, for Dragon Loves Penguin, um, yeah, that came because my editor was paying a, an unusual visit up to Scotland to to see me, and she said, "Have you had any ideas about your next book?" And I was like, "Ah, no, God!" And as of course, as the days ticked down to her visit I became more panic stricken and just before she arrived the day before I drew this I'd been I don't know if you can see the dragon over it's quite hard uh, it's yeah, a little bit slurred but it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll be good in the actual recording okay, oh yeah so, yeah so yeah. it's a dragon she's flying over the ice the ice is all breaking up and there's a whole own. bunch of <laughs> Yeah, oh well done. Whole bunch of penguins on on the ice, and that was all I got. I got that picture, and I thought I had been reading a load of books about Antarctica at the time, and I thought, what's that picture about? And I basically wrote a book based on that picture. This is what this picture is about, and it turns right. out I had no idea, but it is. It's really a book about partly about adoption. It is. Um, and I had no intention of going, I'm going to write an issues book about adoption. Mm -hmm. However, I would have written, I don't know, have you come across A Cat Called Waverly? Has that, is that on your list, this book? No. Cat Not Called yet. Waverly. That is, I did deliberately set out to write a book about war because mm -hmm. there, was a, there was a man who lived in Edinburgh um, who was a veteran of... I think the Kosovo conflict and he was homeless and he lived on the streets in Edinburgh for many years until um, he he died of 
completely avoidable septicemia. And over the years, I'd I'd been sort of stopping to talk to him when I was in Edinburgh and give him some money and try and just sort of... Well, I, I, there was nothing I thought I could do. You know, at one point I said... You know, I was sort of saying to my partner, could we just adopt him? Could he come and live with us? Because I couldn't mm. bear the fact that this really beautiful man was stranded in the streets of Edinburgh having to beg for money. And when he died, I was just about... I'd actually gone into Edinburgh that day because I'd written a book for him because I'd come up with this idea of if I write a book about... Um, his name was Darren. If I write a book about Darren's story, about how he was a soldier, but also write a book about <clears throat> a sort of stray cat at the same time and weave the two stories together and the cat is homeless and the man is homeless and he goes off to war and he goes blah, blah, blah. And I was going into Edinburgh <clears throat> to say to him, well, basically to ask for his blessing before I showed the book to a publisher. And I was going to sort of share share the royalties with him because I thought here's a way of helping him of validating his story of also sort of saying to children here's what happens when people go to war this is the human cost and um, the day I went in to do that um, I was walking up up the steps at Waverley Station to where his his pitch for um, begging was and there were flowers tied to the uh there was the sort of railings between the pavement and the road and I thought oh I knew immediately that was the flowers were for him that he had died so mm. to a certain extent that book is pure issue and nothing else it is it, it sets out its stall very very rapidly to say war is a horrific thing and here's what it does to people and but it was also about homelessness. And I think that's mm. the only book that I've really done for years and years that is has a very, very clear message. But I think because of the subject matter, because it's such a you know, war is war and homelessness are just such there are things that we should be so ashamed of as human beings. These are things we're not we're not getting right at all it's a complete yeah. breakdown of uh, all of the best in humanity that we cannot solve squabbles over territory without killing each other and we can't look after our poorest citizens and keep them warm and safe we could do it during the pandemic but we don't appear to do it anymore so i think those book that book was born out of just absolute frustration at why on earth can't we do this better? So yes, I, it is a teaching book in a way. Mm. But what I wanted with it more than anything wasn't to teach. It was to start a conversation with children whereby, because they've got such a clear sense of justice and what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes it's just really refreshing to be with small people who don't see things in shades of grey and see mm-hmm. everything in black and white because there are some things that are like like with the war everybody is talking in shades of grey but at the bottom line killing each other is not a good thing you know I, that is a bad thing and the same with homelessness it's um there isn't really a grey shade to that it's just wrong no this complexity is, is really harming yeah so 
yes, most of my books are thankfully uh, issue free, but um, not that one, I think. And, you know, ironically, Olga, when I wrote it, I thought, actually, this is going to become almost like an academic exercise for children because they'll say, what is war about? There won't oh. be a war. And lo and behold, um, so I wish it were not so. Yes. Mm. Have a good time for another question. Go on. It's <laughs> me, I'm awful. I keep talking. You're wonderful. <laughs> it's Children's Mental Health Week in the UK. And um, this, this um, Dragon Loves Penguin, that has been, that's, that's the book for me. Oh. Uh, like, uh, my son loves it, but I think we read different things in it, which is an indicator of a great book. Uh, it's, it's different things for everyone because I was that uh, dragon whose egg didn't hatch <laughs> a mm. couple of times. Mm. And um, that, was, that was a lot for me to read and really important and really healing. But this, uh, for Children's Mental Health Week, I will read this quote and maybe you could comment. All the other eggs were given endless gifts, fast toys, vast toys, flashing, clattering things that made a noise. But the little one was given love and time, the greatest gifts of all. I can never read it. Um, sorry, I can never read that line in a classroom to children without crying my eyes out. It's so embarrassing. I, I barely coped now, yes. Yeah, well done. It's just like, Yes, it it's the greatest gift we can give, not just our children, but each other, is time, our love and time. Everything else is absolutely worthless, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, and so many children are fobbed off with, you know, amazing, wonderful gifts and distractions, when in actual fact, all we really just want is to be with you. Why would they not? You know, the, the first nine months of a child's life, they could not be closer. And the rest of their lives is, um, we, we sort of push them away. It's just because, you know, the practicalities of being an adult and earning a living and running a household means that it is very, very hard to have a, a small child clinging to your side all of the time or just you know with you constantly so yeah also it's like we've been also been sold that it's also a good thing for them as well on top of that yes to be pushed socialization away. independence yeah, yeah. you're you doing them if a disservice if you're holding them back you may no, as well start early you may as well start young these messages are everywhere it's like follow your heart as mm. a parent I mean, it's like that first separation when they you know go to a babysitter or they uh, shudder shudder go to nursery <laughs> or you know what it's uh, there's a an absolute visceral wrench when when your child is taken away from you when they're small yeah um so yeah i th i it's almost like as adults we are being taught to ignore our deepest instincts 
and that's all wrong. It's turning us into sort of. Can we read you our uh, mission statement and see what you think of it? Maybe to finish that. Yeah, let's hear it. Have you got it, Olga? Because that's why we've called ourselves the Karen Instinct. Yeah. Because so much um, of what we're told culturally tries to beat that Karen Instinct down rather than um, give us an invitation to follow it. Yeah, and so as we were setting up, I've got it now. Yeah, we were thinking of, you know, we thought, okay, let's create a mission statement together. Yeah, we came up with this. We'll see what you think. The best parenting book is your and your child's heart. Look at your emotions, understand your needs, protect your relationship. So simple, but so hard in the world that's consumed with behavior, measuring up and fitting in. We hold space for you as you find this focus and things start to fall into place as you learn the power of your own caring instinct. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It should be on um, hoardings in every city centre so that when parents are driving home from work they're reminded of what you know it's like trust ourselves why have we stopped trusting ourselves Mm. uh, should we finish there you are your own therapy and you are our therapy and you're a gift and your books are a gift and we're so looking forward to come what may. Me too. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you for coming. So very much.